Hi everyone and thank you for joining me today wherever you are, one of the Church Unlimited campuses watching on Shine TV or somewhere around the world. It's so good to have you join with me today. Here in New Zealand, we're on day 39 of our lockdown and a few days ago we were able to go out and buy some takeaways so you can take one guess what I bought. I went and got myself chicken curry, not one dish. I got two chicken curry dishes. I got a vegetable eggplant dish. I got some dal. I got some raita. I went all out. The next day when I got on the scales, it said to me, one at a time, please. But I'm telling you, it was absolutely worth every moment of it. Hey, just before we get into the Word of God today, I want to share something that I think is going to be very, very helpful to you and encourage you to stay right till the end of the message because my last couple of points are probably uh, pretty deep and pretty meaningful and I think will give you real strength uh, with, with whichever place you find yourself at today. So let me just pray. Father, I just thank you for your presence here with us. And uh, even though it's online, Lord, there's no distance with you. And your presence is here as I speak and also in every home and wherever people are watching today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak strongly, clearly to each and every person? Would you strengthen us in our journey and reveal to us the pathway forward into the favor and the blessing of God and all that you have for us? So speak to us this morning, we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So in 1999, the State Farm Insurance rated the most dangerous intersections in the United States for accidents. So the corner of Belt Line Road and Midway Road in Texas won the award, five accidents per week. Can you imagine that? As we drive down the road of life, we come to what I call dangerous intersections. And I think in that category, I'd put trials, desert experiences, difficulties that we go through because it's important we know how to handle them right because great blessing can come out of them. So I want to share with you what I call today five anchors that will help you through whatever you're facing today or will face sometime in the future. They did a survey of 413 great achievers, researched for two years. What they're trying to find out, was there some common denominator factors that made these people great achievers? And what they discovered surprisingly was that 392 or 95%, 95% yet, had to overcome great obstacles, trials or deserts in their lives. It's a pattern that we all find a pathway to success and greater blessing in our lives. So in um, Psalm 63 verse 1, David finds himself in a desert. He's in a wilderness. And this is what he says. Oh God, you are my God, early will I seek you. What I like about that verse, that psalm, is it's from David, the man after God's own heart went through a desert. In fact, many deserts. So if you're in one, hey, you are in very, very good company. Okay, so the first anchor I want to give you today is desert times are something we go through. Psalm 23, verse 4, though I walk through, through. Note that, write it down somewhere. The valley of the shadow of death. Um, God remains with us. So God leads us into tunnels, not caves. Caves have no end. Tunnels come out into the light. Now I know in my own life, I've had experiences when I felt, man, 
I'm stuck in a cave. I can't see any way out. I can't see any, see any way through. But eventually I've discovered it was actually a tunnel and I came out the other side into the light. Now I know some of you are thinking right now, hey, hold on a minute. I'm still in this dark place and I haven't come out to any light. I'm going to speak to that issue and I think going to give you some very helpful insights to that later on in this message. So please stay tuned with me. See, by God's grace, we can actually have joy in the midst of the desert. And I think that's our testimony to the world. We can have joy in the midst of COVID-19 and self-isolation and people wonder how on earth are you smiling? Jesus makes a difference. Something that's helped me a lot over the years is a verse that uh, Spurgeon would often quote, and it says, it came to pass. And he said, most things, they pass. And I've been going through trials in my life. I've gone back to that again and again. And I thought to myself, this is going to pass. And invariably, it does pass, which is good news. So difficult roads. Here's a quote for you. Difficult roads lead to beautiful destinations. Isn't that true? I'm sure you've traveled somewhere in your country. I know in New Zealand, sometimes you go through the most difficult roads, but when you get to the end, you think, wow, that was worth it. Hey, if you're on a difficult road right now, you're in a desert, you're in a trial, let me tell you, it's going to lead to a beautiful destination. God has good plans in store for you. So the second anchor I want to talk to you about is that every believer has a date with the desert. The Bible greats, men and women of history, Paul, Jesus, you can go through the whole list. They all had times in the desert. But here's something interesting I want you to know. The children of Israel were given a great promise by God that they're going to go into a land of milk and honey. And they must have been so excited about it. So they're in Egypt and there's a promise. But guess what comes between? Would you believe it? A massive desert. Here's a truth for you. Often between the promise God gives you and its fulfillment is a desert in between. And the danger is we think, I've got a promise, I'm in a desert, therefore the promise will not be fulfilled. No, this is the pattern of God in Scripture. So don't be discouraged if you find yourself between the promise and the fulfillment of it. So in the desert, David cries out, and this is what he says, Oh God, you are my God. It's easy to change from, oh God, you are my God, to, oh God, you were my God. Hey, why don't you say it with me? Whatever you're going through right now, oh God, you are right now, today, still my God. And hey, you can add to that and always will be. See, in the desert, you need to know this. The devil's not running your life. God is. God's always in control. Think of Job. He, his life was a disaster. I mean, it was just an absolute mess. It couldn't get much worse. He lost just about everything and it boils on his head, all his friends saying the wrong thing. If anyone's life was a mess, it was Job. But you and I know that God was 100% in control of Job's life. And what? He comes out with twice as much at the end. God is in control of your life. So even though the devil has sent struggle and a desert to take you out. Guess what? God's going to use it to take you up. <laughs> you're not going out. You're not going down. You're going up. And when you're up, you're going to be a help 
a lot of other people get up as well. All right, the third anchor. A desert is a place of promotion. I want you to listen real carefully to this. Tim Keller is a great speaker. He talks about two Psalms, Psalm 38 and Psalm 88. And he said in neither Psalm, and they're probably the only two Psalms, there is no word of hope or comfort in the midst of a trial and darkness. In fact, the Psalm 88, the last word, you can look it up, is darkness. <laughs> That's how it ends. It's amazing. So let me read you some parts of Psalm 88. And th this is going to really challenge us as to where this fellow found himself. I'm just reading parts of verses 1 to 6. I've cried out day and night before you. So the person's praying. But there's, my soul is full of troubles. And my life draws near to the grave. Whom you remember no more. You have laid me in the lowest pit in darkness. And there's a whole lot more verses like that in the scripture. And I don't know if you've ever been like me, but you, you struggle to understand some of these prayers in the Bible. Like they, they seem so negative. They seem to question and challenge God's integrity. They just seem out of place. And you could ask, what is Psalm 88 even doing in the Bible? It just seems so negative. Where's the victory? Where's the triumph? Because that's what we love to preach. That's why I love to preach. You hear me do that all the time. Guess what? The writer of this psalm is Haman. Do you know who Haman was? You can find him in two Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 25. He's a musician. He's a songwriter. He's a prophet. And he worked closely with King David. So he was a man of God. He's facing an extreme desert. He's trusting God. And in verse 1, he's praying and calling out to God day and night. And yet he feels abandoned by God. Here's the teaching. Listen carefully. You can be a Christian, praying, a leader, trusting God, doing the right things, and yet face a trial that doesn't get better for a very long time. The darkness seems to remain. See, the thing about the Bible that I love, it's very truthful. It's very honest. There are no cover-ups in this book. It's integrity from page one to the last page. Many of us have areas of darkness. I do. Right now. Some I've been fighting a long time. Unanswered prayers. Some people become Christians. I think many of us do. And we can think, well, now nothing really bad's going to happen to me because I'm living a better life. Well, <laughs> Jesus lived a better life than you or me. And he still faced great darkness and difficulties. So did the Apostle Paul. And the list goes on. Expectations play a big part in how we handle a desert. See, if your expectations are aligned with God's word, that these things can happen in our lives, it's going to help us have a lot more strength when we face our challenge. Because I think sometimes what happens, we're in a darkness and we think, how can this be happening to me? What am I doing wrong? We blame ourselves. 
when God doesn't want us to do that. So Haman questions God. He says, from my youth, you've been in despair. <laughs> you've abandoned me. You've never been there for me. I read some of that stuff and I think, why is that in the Bible? Well, he's exaggerating. And uh, we tend to exaggerate when things have gone wrong. It's called awfulizing. We can even awfulize to God. So why is this prayer in the Bible? Derek Kidner says this. The presence of these prayers in Scripture is a witness to God's understanding of how people speak when they are desperate. Uh, when I read that, it really got my attention because I've heard some Christians speak and I've thought, how can you talk like that? Well, the depth of their pain. Sometimes things are said even to God that just don't seem right. So God didn't decide. <laughs> this is what Tim Keller says. He didn't decide. I don't want that in my Bible. This guy's questioning me. He's challenging me. He's saying, I've, I've abandoned him. Hey, let's wipe that. No, no, God didn't do that. Why not? He's a God of love. He's a God of grace. And he's God who understands. Yeah, he really does. I hope that's going to be helpful to you. But here's a key point that I want to raise, is that despite this long season of darkness, Haman, it would appear, never stopped praying, he still held on to God and he still served. You see, Satan says to you and to me and to all of us exactly what he said to Job. Well, <laughs> you only serve God because he's good to you, because he blesses you. And we need to answer that question. Is that right or is it not right? Hopefully it's not right. When you go through a darkness, a trial, like we all have, some more than others. And in it, there's a little blessing, but you still hold on to God. You still pray. You still go to church, serve, give, sing, worship. When you do that, let me say this. It turns you into a person of true greatness. Why do I say that? Because in this darkness, you have decided to throw away the concept that I'll only serve God if he blesses me, if he's good to me, if things go right. That's going to add tremendous strength and stability into your lives. Now, I know some people, in fact, I know quite a few people who passionately serve God, who fervently worship, who serve, who give, and yet they are facing severe darkness in their lives that has gone on for a long time. You know who you are, and I salute you. You are jewels in God's crown, and great will be your reward. So when you feel like you're drowning, I read this, this may help you. Don't worry, your lifeguard, Jesus, walks on water. He can come and pick you up. Look, I'm going to put a photo on the screen right now. I think this is how you say it. It's a quacker. And uh, it's an Australian marsupial that's always smiling. And uh, when you're in lockdown, shut down, it's time to keep on smiling.
It's a great little photo that was sent to me by someone. All right, here's our fourth anchor. The desert is not a place of punishment, but a place of promise. See, when we're in a desert, we can think, well, like we've just been saying, what have I done wrong? It's my fault. Now, it does pay to check that we're not in willful sin, obviously. But Isaiah 50 verse 10 says, who obeys the voice of God and walks in darkness. See, you can be obeying and doing things right and still be in darkness. This person is, this person is obeying the voice of God. And yet they were in darkness, just like Joseph, Moses, David, Jesus, Paul. They all had times when they were obeying God was still in the desert. So in Luke 4 verse 1, it says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Isn't that interesting? The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert. Well, hold on a minute. Isn't he just meant to lead us into blessing? <laughs> yeah, well, he does. But he also, there'll be times where he actually leads you into the desert because there's things he wants to do in and through your life, which he did in the life of Jesus as well. And I want to say this is that in the desert, God is getting you ready for greater things, for greater exploits in the future. You get strong in the, in the, in the desert not in the good times. It's the deserts that make you strong. That's when the roots of trees go deeper in the storms. So you come out so much stronger. Your faith is stronger in God as well. So Jesus came out of the wilderness, what? In the power of the Spirit. Moses came out as a great deliverer when he met God in the desert. David emerged as a great king. See, the challenge is to allow God to work in our lives in what I call a dangerous de intersection because it determines destiny. It determines your future. God's preparing you for the things he got, has got ahead of, ahead of you. Some of you will know that great um, literature, Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan. What you may not have known, do you know when he wrote it? When he was in prison. He spent about 12 years in prison. That's when he wrote this. You see, great things come out of the desert. And God's got great things for you in the midst of whatever you've got. Uh, just look hard and try and find them. Here's a quote that I found somewhere. Put God first and watch your life change. Think about that. Can I say your best days are not behind you? They're ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. So don't look back. You're not going that way. Look forward, because great days are ahead for you. You might be looking at your current trial, and I've done this in my own life at times, and I think, man, this is a real mess. <laughs> Have you ever thought that? And I thought, wow, this is a disaster. Well, I read the words of Max Licato, and he puts it this way. He's talking about the desert that Joseph went through, and he said, God will use your mess for good. He said, we see a perfect mess. God sees a perfect chance to train, test, and teach the future equivalent of the prime minister of Egypt. God is the master of the mess. <laughs> All right. Whatever your mess, hey, God can make something fantastic out of it. Hey, and when you're in desert, you, you've got to try and remain optimistic. So I just have a favorite joke that I like to tell. I'm going to throw it in right now. This son, this father had two sons. One was an ultimate uh, pessimist. The other was an optimist. So for the birthday, he brought the... Um, the, the pessimist, a truckload of toys, and the optimist, uh, a truckload of manure, threw them in the bedrooms. And so he goes in the bedroom of the pessimist, and, and he's, uh, he's crying. 
And he said, why are you crying? He says, I don't know which toy to play with. Goes into the room of the Optimus. He's digging through all the manure. He said, what are you doing? He says, there's got to be a horse in here somewhere. Whatever your desert, whatever you miss, keep digging. Keep digging. There's a horse. There's a treasure in there somewhere. My last point. Fifth anchor. Something I didn't really want to talk about. But I felt the Holy Spirit stir me and say, Tark, no, I, I want you to talk about this. A desert is a place of purification. So when we're in the desert, what happens? The pressure causes weaknesses and impurities to come to the surface. That's how they make gold. They put it in the furnace, heat it right up. The, the, the impurities come to the surface and then they get skimmed off. We talked last week about the most deadly virus of all, and that is sin, more deadly than COVID-19. And Jesus, of course, became the vaccine and he forgives us our sins and we are saved. I want to take this point a little bit deeper because even though we are forgiven, for many of us, there's still the virus of sin. <laughs> there's areas in our lives that we know are still not what God wants them to be. It can be in us, it can be in the church. And to deal with sin does require repentance. Now, stay with me, please. Don't, don't leave me right now because I think God's given me a revelation. And he's shown me that repentance is one of the most positive truths found in the Bible that leads to incredible blessing. I'm going to share a story about this in just a moment. And um, see, we're all working on areas in our lives. I am, you are. So there's no condemnation. Even Paul did things he didn't want to do. So we're not here to condemn anyone. But the important thing is that we do pursue right living. Here's a quote. Repentance is the key with which we can unlock the prison inside us. And we hold the key in our hands. It's by Boyd Packer. See, repentance is good for the soul. I recall a time number years ago when I was really struggling with an area and God called me to repentance. And he gave me a promise from Proverbs 1 verse 23. He said, turn at my rebuke and surely I'll pour out my spirit on you. I'll make my words known to you. I repented and I unlocked the prison that was inside me. And look, I'm telling you, God fulfilled his word and he poured out his spirit upon me. I came into a, a relationship, a refreshing and a renewal in my life that took me by absolute surprise. And I thought, my goodness, God, this is so powerful. Is there something else I can repent of? Because it led to so much blessing. It led to so much more of God in my life. And I thought, wow, this is one of the great keys to life uh, for me. And I think for all of us. And um, it's no wonder that among the first words from the lips of Jesus was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is the pathway into the blessing of God. It is a pathway into more of God in our lives. Why would you not want to repent? Because the truth sets us free. You see, sin is destructive. You and I know this. It weakens us. It weakens the church. It weakens the world. And that's why Jesus took the virus of sin on himself. He died on a cross to free us from what? What is so harmful to us? He's not one who spoils the party. <laughs> Jesus brings the party. You know, sin destroys the party. Repentance brings the party have that song, don't we? This is how we party, you know, when it's getting close to God. So we don't want to hold on to sin. I don't want to hold on to sin. Why? It's destructive. 
It destroys me. It weakens me. So with lockdown, I want to suggest three R's. Reflect, renew, reset. Can I encourage all of us during COVID-19? Let's slow down. Let's reflect. Allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and let's reset. Let's make some changes. It will renew us. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. Search me, O God. This is my prayer. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Genuine repentance must be the seal of a corrected life. My preference, maybe yours as well, is to say, God, I'm sorry, but not actually change. Sometimes it's, Father, forgive me for what I'm about to do. (laughs) Sometimes that's the easier way, but hey, that's not what we're talking about. I want to wrap this up with this thought. When Israel, which is a type of the church, was struggling in the desert, the remedy was always, you read scripture, a call to repentance. And that's been the way of history over the years. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 17, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Spurgeon says this, I believe one reason why the church has so influenced, so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. I thought, wow. You see, the church's mightiest influence is felt when she is different from the world. Her power lies in her being different. The church, listen, please, is more attractive when it's different. The world's not looking for something that's the same. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for a remedy. They're looking for something that is radically different to what they see all around them. And this is a challenge that I feel in my heart for the church of Jesus Christ today. See, when the church is absolutely different from the world, she is more attractive. So as we embrace the call to repentance, I believe the church, you and I, will become the powerful world-changing force that we have been called to be. As you traverse your desert, Isaiah 35, 3 to 4, strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who are fearful-hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come. He will come and save you. You can and will come out of your desert with great treasure, come out stronger, come out closer to God, willing to love Him in good times and in bad. You can be purified and empowered to impact your world for for Jesus. And I pray that we will see the church now rise to its finest hour, see the greatest global outpouring of the Holy Spirit unparalleled in the history of the world. Why not in our time? Let's pray for it, believe for it, and see it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can I just take a few moments to speak to those of you who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You've never been saved. You've never received Jesus into your heart and given him your life. You're not watching this by chance today. It's a divine appointment. I know it's been a message on trials and deserts and hey, isn't that the reality of life? I'm sure that you're facing areas in your life where it is a desert, where it is very difficult. I would hate to do life 
with all its challenges without Jesus. He does make the difference. He can give you strength. He can give you wisdom. He can hold your hand. He can even carry you at times, which he's done for me through some of the most difficult passages of my life. If you don't know Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to ask him to come into your heart today. Along with those of you who may be far away from God, you've, you've drifted, maybe you hit a desert and you thought, I'm out of here. Hey, it's time to come back to Jesus. Not only will he strengthen you, but he'll forgive you of your sins, which gives you the promise of spending eternity in heaven with Jesus, with God forever. Please, if you want to say this prayer, if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, you want to get right with God, just say this prayer, this simple prayer with me right now. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me so, so much, so much that you died upon a cross for me. I realize that I'm far away from you. I'm a sinner. And today I repent. I confess my sins and I ask you to forgive me. And now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, please do press that button on the screen. We so important and we would love to connect with you and help you in this journey. If you're watching on Shine, please contact Shine. Otherwise, you can contact us at infochurchunlimited.co.nz. Why don't you stand with me? I've got a song that I think would be great to sing right now. It's called King of My Heart. Why is that such a good song for it now? Because when you're going through a desert, <laughs> when you're going through a difficult time, it's all about Jesus being the king of your heart. Becoming, when he's the king of your heart, you handle it right, but he can become even more. He can become even more enthroned in our hearts. So whatever you're going through today, why don't you stand with me right now? Why don't you lift your voice and why don't you, we sing together and make it a declaration that he is the king of my heart. Doesn't matter what I'm going through, he's still the king. Let's sing.